All right, fellow fact checkers, be sure to head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and check out the best coffee sponsor a guy could ever hope for. And if you use the code FCT for fact check this at checkout, you will get 18% off any order of $25 or more. Also, be sure to check out the subscription packages. And any order of $37.99 or more goes free shipping. Check out the light blend, the dark blend, the uh, medium blend, the electric boogaloo, and the decaf. Be sure to check out Fox and Sons Coffee. So let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. Alright, Fact Check This Podcast, and today... Uh, this one, I'm going to be up front. It's probably going to be a little bit longer. There's a video that we're going to watch at the beginning of this. Uh, we're going to take a look at the questions that were sent to the Republican, potential Republican candidates for 2024 by Tucker Carlson. Uh, Tucker talks about it a little bit. And and then we're going to look through a tweet thread of some of the different uh, questions that were asked, answers that were given. Uh, the New York Times also made a big deal over Ron DeSantis' answer to one of the questions in particular. So we're going to look at that as well and dig a little bit more into that and what's going on there. So let's just kind of kick it off uh, because I don't want to go too terribly long. We'll just jump right in and start with the video that I was talking about from Tucker Carlson's show, and then we'll move on from there. Last week, we sent a questionnaire to every Republican presidential candidate announced and potential asking about Ukraine. We posed six questions. Is opposing Russia in Ukraine a vital strategic interest for America? What's our objective in Ukraine and how are we going to know when we've achieved it? What is the limit of money and weapons you'd be willing to send to Zelensky? Have U.S. sanctions been effective? And does the United States face the risk of nuclear war with Russia? It's kind of presumptuous for a cable show to send these, but no one else in the media seemed to be asking them, and we thought we should. The first presidential primaries are 10 months away. Voters should know where their candidates stand on the big issues, and this, in some ways, is the biggest issue. So tonight, we're happy to report that virtually everyone we asked responded. Nikki Haley ignored us. John Bolton said he was too busy doing some unspecified thing. But most of the rest of us, them did get back to us, and we are grateful that they did. In general, the answers were fascinating. Some of them were so thoughtful and so smart, they give you hope for the Republican Party. With only a few exceptions, these, their answers bore no resemblance at all to the statements you see every day from Mitch McConnell and various Republican committee chairmen in the Congress. Republicans in Washington tend to be committed neocons in the Hillary Clinton mold. But Republicans running for president this cycle generally are not at all. That was a surprise, a refreshing surprise. We had no idea. We didn't know what to think. So we're going to post every response that we got in full on our Twitter account tonight as a public record of where the candidates stand on Ukraine. We hope you will look at them. But first, here's a quick summary of what we received. So former President Donald Trump, who as of tonight is the front runner for the Republican nomination, sent a long and really interesting response. Russia would never have attacked Ukraine if I were president, he writes, not even a small chance. Trump says he opposes regime change in Russia. Quote, we should support regime change in the United States. That's far more important. The Biden administration are the ones who got us into this mess. Trump repeatedly refers to the risk of nuclear war, which he describes as absolutely real. And then he calls for a negotiated peace by Ukraine mediated by the United States. Quote, 
Both sides are weary and ready to make a deal, Trump writes. The meeting should start immediately. There is no time to spare. Death and destruction must end now. Trump has been saying things like this and predicting this for five years now, and he's saying it again. What's interesting, though, is that Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, who is also running for president this year, opposes his old boss on nearly every point. We're paying the Ukrainians to fight Russia, Pence writes, so we won't have to fight Russians ourselves. Pence endorses even stricter sanctions against Moscow. He dismisses the risk of nuclear war as a, quote, bullying tactic from Putin. And then Pence suggests that anyone who disagrees with his views on Ukraine is a disloyal American. Quote, there is no room for Putin apologists in the Republican Party. Mike Pence did not specify who he was talking about, though we suspect this show is included in that treasonous category. And then maybe the most newsworthy response that we received was from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis has well-known views on many topics, of course, but until tonight, no one could really say with precision where he stood on the war in Ukraine, which is arguably the most important topic in the world. And now we know. DeSantis is adamantly opposed to the position that most Republicans in Washington have taken on Ukraine. DeSantis is not a neocon. Who knew? Quote, while the U.S. has many vital national interests, DeSantis writes, securing our borders, addressing the crisis of readiness within our military, achieving energy security and independence, and checking the economic, cultural, and military power of the Chinese Communist Party, becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia is not one of them. Without question, he writes, peace should be the objective. The U.S. should not provide assistance that could require the deployment of American troops or enable Ukraine to engage in offensive operations beyond its borders. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into the conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. DeSantis goes on to oppose the policy of regime change in Moscow, which is very popular in Washington, and he points out that the Biden administration has created an alliance between Russia and China, and that's a disaster for the United States. Quote, we cannot prioritize intervention in an escalating foreign war over the defense of our own homeland, especially as tens of thousands of Americans are dying every year from narcotics smuggled across our open border, and our weapons arsenals, critically for our own security, are rapidly being depleted. So that's DeSantis's position, clarified. Vivek Ramaswamy, meanwhile, who you just saw, who announced for president on this show a few weeks back, responded with what was effectively an essay. It was so tightly argued and sharp, it probably should be a Wall Street Journal piece. We hope it becomes one. I can't really do it justice here, but a few short excerpts give you the flavor. Quote, China wants the Ukraine war to last as long as possible to deplete Western military capacity before invading Taiwan. It's working. We think we appear stronger by helping Ukraine, but actually become weaker vis-a-vis -vis China. We've spent 20 years droning people in caves in the Middle East and Central Asia and have little to show for it. We should be taking out the people who have caused the deaths of more than 100,000 Americans every year, the Mexican drug cartels. If I were president right now, I wouldn't limit any further funding or support to Ukraine. Ukraine is not in the top five of American foreign policy priorities right now. And yet merely questioning whether the money we've spent on the war is being done effectively or perhaps even prolonging the war is seen as disloyal. We get accused by both Democrats and Republicans of being, quote, Putin sympathizers. The Washington Uniparty and defense contractors want this conflict to go on forever. For the sake of the global economy and peace, we should be doing everything we can to end it tomorrow. End quote. Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota echoed some of these points. 
the primary external threat to the United States is communist China, she writes. And then she added another point that you rarely hear and not often enough, quote, the United States has come to rely far too heavily on financial sanctions as a weapon of deterrence. Now the nations that hate America are consciously moving away from the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. Sanctions against China, Iran, and Russia have bolstered the Russian ruble and enabled China to establish trade in Chinese money rather than in U.S. dollars. That is true, provably true. And you wonder why so few in Congress who've passed these sanctions will acknowledge it. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, meanwhile, was not quite so bold or precise, but in spirit, he seemed to agree with most of the rest of the Republican candidates. Quote, President Biden's blank check foreign policy in Ukraine has diverted funding from essential needs in the United States. Throwing money at Ukraine with no accountability or objective is clearly failing. End quote. Once again, we had no idea the candidates felt this way until today. We're glad they do. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, by the way, did not send a statement, but instead a transcript from a hit he did on Trey Gowdy's weekend show here on Fox. Not many details in it, but Scott did call for, quote, degrading the Russian military. He did not explain what the point of that might be. And finally, Chris Christie is still around. It's still full of bombast. It's still a sporty character. In fact, if anything, Christie seems to become even more orthodox as a neocon. He calls on the U.S. military to fight and win a war against both Russia and China simultaneously. Otherwise, he warns, Iran and North Korea could take over the world. So that is where the Republican presidential candidates stand on Ukraine. But do not take our word for it. We are posting their answers unedited on Twitter right now. We hope you will take a look. We hope you will read them. They're interesting, whether you agree or disagree. And once again, thank you to everyone who took the time to respond in such a thoughtful way. Almost all did, and we're grateful for it. Pretty interesting uh, little piece there where he goes through the different answers from some of the specific uh, candidates. I, I really wanted to kind of touch on like uh, the, the really kind of funny thing that you get right off the bat is the Trump response, which is just all full of like bombast and ego. If if I was in office, they never would have even done this. <laughs> like the, um, Maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Like Maybe he is able to work with Putin and Zelensky and figure something out before it comes to this point. I, I highly doubt that because this whole thing has been building for like nine, ten years or so. So it was probably going to happen regardless. But it is the United States definitely didn't do any favors in their handling of things up to this point. But I'm not sure that Trump actually would have had any uh, had any real uh, ability to prevent it from happening. Um, of course, and then of course you've got Mike Pence, who a big critique of Pence when he was selected as uh, Trump's running mate was you're you're talking about wanting to come in and drain the swamp. Mike Pence is a fucking swamp monster. Like he's everything about a neocon, horrible, middle-of-the-road, squishy conservative that everybody hates and are voting against by voting for you. Like, don't make this dude your vice president. Don't give this dude any type of authority. And people should not be taking him seriously as a presidential candidate. He should get booed off the stage every time he steps on one. He should get Jeb Bush treatment times 10. Like, fuck Mike Pence. He is a horrible, horrible, horrible person, at least as far as a 
if you want somebody to be a true, like strong, staunch, conservative type of a figure who's actually going to push for moving the country in the right direction, that you don't want Mike Pence. You don't want anybody coming out of Indiana except for like maybe two or three, two or three people in like in the state legislature. Like, by and large, Indiana is just like. I appreciate that I live in a red state for a number of reasons, but it could not be a more neoconish state. And for that, fuck all of you very much. Uh, it's like, yeah, the, you don't want these people if you're trying to actually move the Republican Party in the right direction. Uh, Brandon Harnish is a, a county councilman or city councilman uh, in Wells County, Indiana, and there is a movement within the state to to make uh, to get people who are more uh, idealistic, more actually like pushing for true conservative values and not this neocon hawkish bullshit. Uh, so maybe that'll change in the next few years, and I, I may be actually getting myself more involved in that going forward as well. But like for the time being, that's yeah. Pence is everything that's wrong with the state of Indiana, the Republicans. Um, we'll get to DeSantis and his because <clears throat> DeSantis is like the big name that's, that makes everything blow up in mainstream media right now. So naturally, there was an, an entire New York Times piece that came off of his response, like talking about what he had said. Um Vivek Raswami, Ramswami, um, he, <laughs> he was pretty impressive just for the fact that he came out pushing the, not just, uh, like, not just being hawkish, but, like, he's going China hawk, cartel hawk, like, we need to be going to war across every, across every arena across the entire globe war all the time war everywhere i dude i i guess i need to find and read like the full transcript of like this um lecture that he wrote uh I, and tucker's twitter they only posted like pieces of it because apparently it is so long um i need i need to find the whole thing and like go through all of it he doesn't give a very good impression right off the bat, at least for for me. Uh, Christine Ohm is is right in what she was talking about with how uh, all of these sanctions are not actually accomplishing anything, and 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 the U.S. has put itself in a weak position because it has been so uh, been over to China and Russia for such a long time, and the way. Uh, we've kind of allowed ourselves to get into that position where now when you start to put these sanctions on, uh, they have the ability to just say, no, we don't care. We just won't use the U.S. dollar anymore. And 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 because of the European Union's reliance on Russia and China for a lot of their uh, gas and natural gas, oil, uh, and then china for goods and, and products and stuff like that like they've put themselves in a bad spot where now they just kind of have to do what they're told and these sanctions are not working to our advantage in any way not in uh, like instead of sanctions like trying to actually 
broker something that would put an end to this and, and get the size to stop fighting would be much more of a, but sanctions are an easy way to puff up your chest and act like you're really doing something while really not accomplishing anything. And then uh, Chris Christie is the, the Uber Hawk of Hawks. Uh, gosh, it's a shame COVID didn't get him. You would think with that many comorbidities, he'd have been at the top of the list, which as my good friend Sean has said multiple times, we knew COVID wasn't serious when Chris Christie didn't die. Um, yeah, there it is. One of the things that did get discussed in that was how this has pushed Russia and China into an, more of an alliance. Uh, that's kind of scary, especially when you think about like the way everything has kind of gone with uh, the amount of influence that the two of those countries wield over the rest of the world. Uh, and this has the U.S. and EU, NATO sanctions and the way they've behaved has pushed them into a corner where they're now uh, siding up with each other. And you've also seen India kind of getting into uh, that corner to a certain extent uh, North Korea as well not that that particularly matters but you know it's it is at least of significance but yeah we're kind of uh, we're, we're kind of pushing some of these major world powers into uh, cooperating with each other because of the way that the US and NATO have handled this whole situation uh, so that's it's kind of interesting. Um, we could read through some of the different uh, responses and stuff, but I, I I felt like I'll include a link to that tweet that uh, that I played here at the beginning. And if you're interested in all of the actual responses, uh, you can read through those yourself. Uh, they're all linked right below it. So it, the thread goes on for, for a bit. Uh, it's, it's some really good stuff. There's more content and context to it than just what you got from Tucker, uh, the, the eight minute Tucker segment. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's worth, it's a worthwhile look if you, if you're interested in that. Uh, the next thing that I really kind of want to bounce over to very briefly or maybe not so briefly um is the article that came from the new york times about this uh desantis says that protecting ukraine is not a key u.s interest and he is a hundred percent correct governor ron desantis of florida has sharply broken with republicans who are determined to defend ukraine against russia's invasion saying in a statement made public monday night that protecting the european nation's borders is not a vital u.s interest and that policymakers should instead focus attention at home the statement from desantis who is seen as an all but declared presidential candidate for the 2024 campaign puts him in line with the front runner and gop for the gop nomination former president donald trump the venue DeSantis chose for his statement on a major foreign policy question revealed 
almost as much as the substance of the statement itself. The statement was broadcast on Tucker Carlson tonight on Fox News. It was in response to a questionnaire that the host, Carlson, sent last week to all major prospective Republican presidential candidates, and is tantamount to an acknowledgement by DeSantis that the that a candidacy candidacy is in the offing. On Carlson's show, DeSantis separated himself from Republicans who say the problem with President Joe Biden's Ukraine policy is that he's not doing enough. DeSantis made clear he thinks Biden is doing too much without a clearly defined objective and taking actions that risk provoking war between the U.S. and Russia. All of these things are objectively true. What are the actual objectives of all of this support to Ukraine? And you can't just say defending Ukraine. We have to defend Ukraine. The fuck does that mean? It means nothing. It's it's almost as useless as find weapons of mass destruction now at this point. I mean... Defend Ukraine. From what? From their own greed and selfishness and uh, uh, what What are we defending Ukraine from or for? And who are we defending in Ukraine? Uh, because it seems like there's some pretty um, crooked and corrupt and awful things going on over there at the behest of the people who are running things in Ukraine. So like, why? Why do we need to be supporting them. Uh, Carlson is one of the most ardent opponents of U.S. involvement in Ukraine. He has called President uh, Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine a corrupt anti-hero and mocked him for dressing like a manager of a strip club. Uh, these are all accurate statements. Is the great thing about that? That's, I didn't. I, I hadn't heard Carlson refer to him as say he dresses like a manager of a strip club. But I mean the the outfit, like the whole get up. It's deliberate. It's all for show. Like He's not. <laughs> anyway. Uh, while the U.S. has many vital national interests, securing our borders, addressing the crisis of readiness with our military, achieving energy security and independence, and checking the economic, cultural, cultural, and military power of the Chinese Communist Party, become further entangled in a territorial dispute between becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia is not one of them, DeSantis said in a statement that Carlson read aloud on his show. Everybody's a little bit China hawkish, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if if Republicans are so China hawkish because they just have no clue what's actually going on in China with their with their very poor economic shape and infrastructure problems and everything else that's like if the whole reason that we're china hawkish is because of either taiwan or human rights violations like oh okay i get it but that's not a reason to consider china like something that some like wild crazed enemy that we need to be focusing our attention on there china has a lot of problems all on their own um uh, we could probably just not mess with them or try to do anything to uh to check their economic cultural or military power and they would probably crumble on their own like the the very strong capitalistic side of china that does business with the rest of the world and has produced a ton of billionaires and and actually like makes stuff and has a global presence 
that part is relatively strong, but it's also a complete non-threat because that's like the global face of China. The uh, economic, cultural, and military power, we don't need to check any of that. China's military, uh, they haven't shown a whole lot of initiative with anything. Their economy is not doing great domestically uh they're the cultural stuff like they've got their own culture wars going on right now we we can leave them alone and and just let them you know let them have their own problems to deal with you uh when you step into a situation like that you create like a unifying rally cry for everybody to point at all right instead of we're all each other's enemies now we're all you know that guy's enemy uh we should leave them alone and let them fight amongst themselves don't need to give them a common cause to be pissed off at DeSantis' views on ukraine policy now align with trump's the former president also answered carlson's questionnaire trump repeated a frequent riff saying that both sides are weary and ready to make a deal and that the death and destruction must end now trump has already said he would let Russia take over parts of Ukraine in a negotiated deal. The position taken by DeSantis and Trump is at odds with the passionate support for defending Ukraine demonstrated by some other potential GOP candidates, including former Vice President Mike Pence, former Ambassador Nikki Haley, former Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey, and Senator Tim Scott of North Carolina. It is also sharply at odds with most Republican senators, including Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the minority leader. How tragic that DeSantis and Trump are at odds with the complete fucking hawk neocons who are like George W. Bush era leftovers that need to be retired and washed completely to the fuck out of the party. Pence has cast Ukraine's struggle as a religious light, uh, in a religious light, quoting Bible verses in a recent speech he gave at the University of Texas at Austin to mark the first anniversary of Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion. Do people actually attend Pence rallies? Like, is Pence actually getting anybody to show up to his rallies other than, like, I don't know, blue-collar Democrats, maybe? Like, I can't imagine people are actually, like, excited about Mike Pence. Fuck, Mike Pence doesn't even look like he's excited about Mike Pence. I guarantee you Mike Pence's wife is not excited about Mike Pence. Like, that guy can go away. Never forget, the light does shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it, said Pence, standing at a lectern with American and Ukrainian flags behind him. If you're hanging a Ukrainian flag behind you, you can get the fuck off the stage and go home. You're done, especially in the upcoming Republican primaries. Like, you may as well, you may as well just go ahead and carry your campaign out back and put a bullet in its head because it's not going to make it very far. Uh, and addressing the Ukrainian people. We will not forget your struggle for freedom, and I believe the American people will stand with you until the light dawns on a victory for free for freedom in Ukraine and in Europe and for all the world. So help us God. Nobody actually agrees with that, Mike. Go away. The the whole reason that the Trump movement was as sweeping and and became what it was is because people want us to be less involved in foreign bullshit and more focused on what we have going on here at home. Get the fuck out of there. 
Republican hawks, including Pence and Haley, an ambassador to the United Nations during the Trump administration, have framed the fight to defend Ukraine as a fight about freedom. McConnell has made similar points, casting the battle as one to defend the post-World War II international security order. All have pushed Biden to do more, to send more lethal weapons and faster, to help Ukraine drive Russia from its territory. They're all fucking suck. DeSantis and Trump have rejected such appeals, and their view is growing in popularity amongst House Republicans and Republican voters who are souring quickly on U.S. efforts to help Ukraine and fight Russia. That's what I'm talking about. A January poll from the Pew Research Center showed that 40% of Republican and Republican-leaning independent voters thought the U.S. was giving too much support to Ukraine. Last March, the month after Putin invaded, the proportion of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents who held this view was 9%. That's that's an impressive jump. Uh, that's very impressive. In 2014 and 2015, when Putin was in the initial stage of his invasion of Ukraine by annexing Crimea, DeSantis sounded like a conventional Republican hawk. He attacked then-President Barack Obama for not doing enough, just as many Republicans are today criticizing Biden. We in the Congress have been urging the president, I've been, to provide arms to Ukraine, DeSantis said in an interview with conservative talk radio host Bill Bennett in June 2015, unearthed by CNN. They want to fight their good fight. They're not asking us to fight it for them, and the president is steadfastly refused. And I think that's a mistake. But these anti-Russia views are less popular with today's GOP base which has been conditioned over the past seven years by Trump and influential media figures such as Carlson, who have questioned why the U.S. should view Putin Putin as a threat to America. DeSantis' statement to Carlson channeled these new currents. The Biden administration's virtual blank check funding of this conflict for as long as it takes without any defined objectives or accountability distracts from our country's most pressing challenges. Republicans on Capitol Hill are increasingly using this blank check line as a safe position to criticize Biden without seeming to abandon Ukraine. But DeSantis went further, making clear he does not believe the defense of Ukraine should be a priority for an American president and ruling out specific weapons. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table, he added. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into a conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the two, the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. The Santa statement dripped with sarcastic contempt, contempt for policymakers who believe the only way to stop the Ukrainian people suffering is to remove Putin from power. You've never seen regime change actually work out in... Uh, a particularly beneficial manner. And if that's the direction that we're going to go, if like if they end up trying to take out, uh, take out Putin in a uh, any honestly in any manner, like number one, nothing's going to change the way the Russian uh, political system works. It's not just reliant or dependent on him. But at the same time, uh, as we are watching the 2020s unfold in a similar manner as the 1920s, uh, this and and I I honestly think so. You know, you've got uh, plague and banking collapse and economic hardships, and I think social media uh, bumps up the timetable on some of these things as well. I mean, you know, kicking off World War Three in a similar fashion as uh, what World War World War Two 
was kicked off World War One. I. I can't remember how that exactly worked out. Uh, well, World War Two. So anyway, kicking it off by you know removing somebody or an assassin with an assassination. Why not? Let's just go ahead and plunge the whole world into war again. And this time we get to do it with nukes. So that'll be uh, hot and bothersome anyway. Uh, <clears throat> a policy of regime change in Russia, no doubt popular amongst the D.C. foreign policy interventionists, the Senate said, would greatly increase the stakes of the conflict, making the use of nuclear weapons more likely. Such a policy would neither stop the death and destruction of the war, nor produce pro-American Madisonian constitutionalists in the Kremlin. History indicates that Putin's successor in this hypothetical would likely be even more ruthless. The cost to achieve such a dubious outcome could become astronomical. DeSantis added, we cannot prioritize intervention in an escalating foreign war over the fence, the fence of our own homeland, especially as tens of thousands of Americans are dying every year from narcotics smuggled across our open border and our weapons arsenal, critical for our own security, are rapidly being depleted. Until now, DeSantis, who has yet to formally announce he's running for president, has largely avoided taking in, taking in specifics about Ukraine since Putin's large-scale 2022 invasion. For a leader who takes pride in being aggressively proactive and keeping his opponents on the run, he has been caught flat-footed at times during his recent book tour as reporters have pressed him on the most important questions in foreign policy. He flashed irritation at a reporter for the Times of London, who pushed DeSantis on how he proposed Ukraine should be handled differently, given he was attacking Biden as weak on the world stage and failing at deterrence. Perhaps you should cover some other ground, DeSantis said. I think I've said enough. Republican internationalists and hawkish elements within the party's donor class were alarmed by that interview and another recent clip on Fox News in which DeSantis briefly signaled, in a way that was open to multiple interpretations, that he questioned the extent to which defending Ukraine was in America's national interest. But they remained hopeful that DeSantis would return to their side. In a February 23rd Wall Street Journal column, influential conservative writer Kimberly A. Strassel all but pleaded with DeSantis to split from Trump, who she said was part of a GOP surrender caucus on Ukraine. She framed Ukraine's war with Russia as a major national security question for DeSantis to answer. Strassel called it the GOP's first field test. Field, the GOP field's first test. Sorry. That's... That's ridiculous. See, this is this is the problem with the Hawks and the neocon like warmongers, is that they think they think that on the foreign policy scale or on the foreign policy like arena that it has to be we win, we attack and we win, we back the winner, we win. They're already or they immediately jumped to blame Biden for basically losing Afghanistan because he was the one who was sitting in office when the troops got pulled out. Except there had been a plan to pull out. We never should have been there to begin with. The whole thing was a clusterfuck. We shouldn't be involved in this bullshit to begin with. We shouldn't be involved at all. It's not that we're the world police and we need to go win. It's the we need to let the world figure it the fuck out on their own. And then we're not the winners or the losers. That's by leaving Ukraine alone and letting this thing play itself out. <clears throat> that's not losing. That's not uh, 
what do they call it? The surrender caucus. We're not surrendering. That's Ukraine's problem. If if NATO and the EU want to back Ukraine, that's their problem. That's not a U.S. problem. It's not surrendering. It's being reasonable and sensible and saying this isn't our fight. Why the fuck are we involved at all? Why are we wasting millions upon millions upon millions upon billions of dollars in weapons and equipment and literal money to back a loser? It's asinine. Trump and DeSantis are right. And the rest of the Republican field needs to get on on board with that because the Republican voters are not going to stand with the Senate and the Hawks. Everybody's kind of moving on from that. And it's time to figure that out and get off the war dick. And, you know, whether the uh, moving the war to fighting with the cartels or, you know, I mean, the war on drugs is clearly a, just such a massive success over the last 40 years. But, you know, fighting with the cartels or being China hawks and all that bullshit like that, those are not solutions either. But step one has to be get away from Ukraine and all of this nonsense. And then figure out what's the next thing that should be addressed. Securing the border, you know, fixing our economic problems, actually getting us in a position where we produce things and aren't reliant on China. And like, if you want to be a China hawk, don't worry about what China's doing. Worry about what we can do to not be reliant on China. Like that's that's where you should be focused. Uh, so hopefully, some of these candidates will figure this out and and. It's going to sincerely be like a Jeb Bush type of thing where these Republican candidates are going to be like real high on we've got to support Ukraine and they're going to get just like flat stares and nothing. And they're going to be like, please, please clap. And everything, eh, fuck you, go away. Like, that's what Trump and DeSantis bring to the table is if they can be aggressive in this, they can push the rest of the field to either fuck off or figure it out and, and get get right so we'll see it'll be interesting uh looking forward to whenever debates and and things start and seeing a lot of these candidates get on stage and actually like spar with each other and go at it uh it's gonna be gonna be entertaining that's all i got for today uh be sure to tune back in next monday for a brand new episode and i'm not doing any daily content this week if you haven't caught on to that already uh for those who do subscribe to that uh i'm currently out of town this is pre-recorded hopefully you enjoyed it see you monday later before you go make sure you check out our great sponsor agorist acres agoristacres.com you can find over 100 varieties of seeds they've got vegetables flowers all kinds of stuff they've got heritage brands everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept US dollars and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. 
Now be sure to head over to agoristacres.com and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time that you need to be starting your own garden, you need to be growing your own food, you need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They have got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product, highly recommend. So go check them out.